How's it going, everybody? Welcome back. It's good to see you as always for episode number 34. Wow. That's a lot of episodes. The Giannis Antetokounmpo edition. <laughs> the king has returned from overseas. At least I believe that's what his name means. Uh, fun fact. Really? Yes. And it's good to be here. It's good to have you here right before I introduce you. If you have not subscribed yet or left any likes on any videos, what are you doing? Why are you even here? Are you really a fan? Like, what's going on? Though? What's up with that? Uh, no, nah, but seriously, your support means a ton to me. Uh, I'm always open to criticism and critiques. Feel free to hit me up. You could catch my Instagram or any other ways to possibly contact me in the links in my bio or description. But we're here. We finally got this to happen. I know, dude. And and I always uh, insert a nice uh, applause noise. I want to make sure I plug it perfect for you <laughs> as I'm about to introduce you. This is my friend, the man, the myth, the legend, the person who single-handedly carried me through statistics class. <laughs> Nick, how are we doing, my friend? I'm doing good, man. I'm excited to be here. I mean, I think I kind of, I, I want to say, I think I exposed myself already, but I didn't know there was an intro. And I think, you know, that's because I didn't want to, like, I haven't watched any of these yet. I'm going to, now that I'm on, finally, I'm going to go back and re-watch all the old ones. But my thing is, like, the reason I didn't watch it, and I think I kind of started touching on it, I didn't want to, like, come in here with expectations. And I mean, you know, obviously I kind of set that when I, when it was, we're going to get this done soon, like back in May, and here we are in October, 34 episodes in, and I, ha I still haven't watched any. And you know what that means? Means you have bad breath because that's what I say to all the people that ah. that aren't subscribed. Well, I think you probably are. Are you? I am subscribed. Oh, okay. I am then subscribed. Then you don't have bad breath. Okay. I am subscribed. I just haven't watched the videos because no, I didn't want to like. That's fine. I didn't want to come in here with like no, expectations. Good. Like I get in my own head a lot. Yeah. And I'm like, I'm gonna be sitting here trying to top everyone else if I've watched everyone. Like I'm gonna be trying to be the guy. You yeah, know, you and just gotta be you. That's not genuine. But I, I mean, it takes. I don't want to say a special person to get on here, but it, I, you gotta have character, right? When I when I ask people to come on, I don't ask them to come on just because like they, they there's something that they have or that I think they might have, or there's something that I think I could possibly get out of them in terms of maybe a story that they can tell that most people never thought that they would sit they would tell. This is a this is I don't want to say this is like therapy, but in a way it is kind of therapeutic because it's just. You and obviously the host, and we're just chilling, talking, and there's nobody else around, no judgment. It's a judgment-free zone for the most part, and uh, yeah, man, it's, it's it, this has been long overdue, but no, it's good that we have you here. It really has. I mean, I remember, I mean, it's probably been a year ago now. I remember you telling me like, oh, kind of hush hush about it, like, dude, I'm starting a podcast. Like, I remember you showing me the intro, and it was it was like the the intro and the outro, and I was like, that's dope. Like, you went up to that mountain to film that bit of you sitting, like, you got the Olympia Diner in there. Shout out to the Olympia Diner on the Turnpike. Beloved diner. Great bacon, by the way. Incredible. Incredible bacon. Like, Good sausage, too. I don't do... I'm not a huge sausage guy. Really? Yeah, I don't know. It's like... I feel like I always like the idea of, like, breakfast sausage. And then I get some, and it just never... Never hits the way I want it to. Yeah. Although, I, I will admit, I will always have a soft spot for, like, the little frozen brown and serve, whatever. I don't know if that's a brand or if that's just, like, a serving method. For sure. But, like, 
I used to get those a lot when I was my my dad would make those when it was like breakfast a breakfast kind of a day. Yeah. So those always have a special place in my heart. So before we get to the time in which we met, mm-hmm. let's take a little walk back back down memory lane for you, because I I know some of your past, but I actually really don't, and that's the case with a lot of people. Talk to me about what high school was like for you before college. High school was a very interesting experience for me. Um, it was definitely, like for most people, a time where I really found myself growing up a lot. Um, I actually, you know, I'm pretty lucky. I had a really great middle school experience, to be honest. Like, I know a lot of people come, especially in my high school, I can't speak for you or anyone else here, but I know a lot of my friends and my close associates uh, kind of looked back on middle school as it being this not so great time when maybe there's a few nice memories sprinkled in to be honest i had a blast in middle school i love I, I enjoyed it um i think freshman year pretty much felt like an extension of that i kind of like i started rowing which was probably the only notable thing and that's not was it an actual high school sport for it was really it wasn't it like was. a club thing no because it was. we that's not very i mean obviously it's an olympic sport but it's not very common as as you would think around no, the state. No, I know. It's uh there's only a handful of schools that have it, you know, as, you know, a, a a varsity sport. Yeah. Although it is fun fact, the oldest collegiate sport in America. Really? Yeah, a little fun fact. The for more you. you know. Look at that. A little fun fact for you. But I but you know, besides, you know, it's just a a big part of it is a it's expensive. Yeah. I mean, I went to, you know, my hometown, Farmington, very you know, pretty well-off town. You know, we got... So, you know, it's... Boats are expensive. Oars are expensive. Equipment, like, maintaining all that equipment. You gotta have, like, motor boats and stuff. Like, safety launches, they call them. Yeah. You know, that's like... That adds up. And so, you know... You know, it's not something that any... Just any old... Like, it's not like... You know, you find an old bat at Dick's Sporting Goods or Play It Again Sports or something and... You know, you can play. You know, it's... You gotta... There's a certain amount of investment that has to go in up front. Did you always get stressed out over grades? You know, it's funny. I didn't. I I have been significantly more stressed out about grades since I came to college. Really? Yeah, it's funny. I think, and again, that kind of part of that does speak to the kind of early college experience, which I think we'll talk about later. Okay. But high school. Um, high school was pretty good and dandy up until like my sophomore year. When I went through, like, my first real breakup. And then that kind of snowballed into my grades starting to go downhill. And then I was still hung up on this girl, and she was still kind of kind of stringing me along in a way. You know, it's like she wouldn't... She broke up with me, and she wouldn't... But she wouldn't, like, leave my life, and she would keep saying things that, like... Kind of made me feel like kind of made there it seem was, like you still had a chance. Or the, yeah, like the like once yeah. the other guy was out of the picture, it was like I was back up to bat, you know. And so I was very just, to be honest, like the end of my sophomore year and most of my junior year, I don't remember a whole lot. Wow. I mean, I I I, it was really rough at points. I mean, there were points where, I would kind of, find myself thinking. You know, not I actively wanted to do something that would 
lead to me not being around anymore. But I also, what I would, I would, what I would kind of tell people is I would say, you know, if a truck, if I saw a truck hurling towards me, I don't know that I would try to swerve, you know? And that was very like, you know, I I mean, obviously that's pretty heavy. That's pretty hard to be doing that while you're like trying to do high school. I mean, high school is, high school is just high school, man. But high school sucked for me too. Yeah. I mean, what are you going to do? But I think to go through adversity, especially mental adversity and mental hurdles at a younger age, it just makes you that much stronger as you get older. Yeah, I, I feel like I have such a very thick backbone because of that. Yeah, I don't know that like I'm someone who doesn't let things because I very much let things get to me still. But I also one of the big ways I've grown as a result of that and some other stuff that came up later on was that I learned to recognize a lot about myself and. You know, there's, it's very easy to overlook signs that, or even not recognize signs that you're starting to go downhill. And I, I still struggle with it, but now I'm like aware enough to say like, Hey man, I know that I'm not in such a great place right now. I need to start making changes because I'm like, you know, the wheels are kind of just spinning and nothing's, nothing's changing. You know, and so at some point, I, I feel like I found I can I can recognize that like I'm not in a great spot right now. There are some things you just, sometimes it's just something I gotta get through. Sometimes it's what am I doing or what am I not doing that can help improve the situation. Did you feel like you knew what your purpose was in high school or what you wanted to do? Because obviously you know what you want to do now, at least quote unquote. Yeah, I mean, I think I've always had a pretty good idea that I wanted to be a teacher. I never had a great sense of what I wanted to do before I kind of came to PE. I mean, as you know, I originally started uh, with history. And to be honest, my rationale for history was AP U.S. History junior year. You know, I didn't, I didn't lift a finger. Like, I didn't, like, you know, I didn't do any homework, never did. Like, you know, I'd do – if I had homework that was worth a grade – it was done like 10 minutes before class and I was still pulling like an A in that class. <laughs> like not lifting a finger, like didn't do any of the, they give us like spring break assignments and it's like a packet just yeah. of like eh, information yeah. you gotta, gotta learn. Yeah. I didn't do that. Yeah. I got, I got it off my friend the night before it's due. I'm like, they're like in the living room, like, okay, you wrote, okay. Yeah. And then I just kind of like. I kind of I kind of convinced myself that the love of history would come along on its own. Like I know history, I can write, you know, like I had all the skills to do well in history, but I just didn't enjoy it. At the end of the day, like I kind of assumed that I would for a while I convinced myself that it was just once I get to the teaching stuff, it'll be fine and it'll be grand. And I'm sure it would have been, yeah. but it just wasn't it wasn't working out. Would you say you always just had the idea that you would w- wanted to have w- worked with kids down the line? Yeah, you know, it's funny. I've ju- so I've just started babysitting my cousins again. Okay. And so I remember the first time I really like felt like the idea of working with kids clicked with me was um it was like my aunt and uncle's like 30th anniversary party or something and my little cousin had just been born a few months ago 
and it was like the first time most of us were meeting were meeting him. Yeah. Um, I remember I was just like met, you know, I was like digging around, like just looking over the, as a curious nine, eight, nine year old does when there's a baby, and I remember just watching this kid's eyes, like everywhere I would I would move, his eyes would follow me, and I remember in that moment, I thought to myself, like man. I'm going to do whatever it takes to be this kid's favorite cousin. And that's like, you know, obviously like nine, it's kind of like at some point, you know, when you're a kid, the idea of kids doesn't really click with you because you're a kid. Yeah. So there's only so many, like, there's only so many, it's a much smaller pool of people where you can say, oh, I like working with kids versus I just like hanging out with people my age. And so I really think, like, that is the first time I can really remember um, kids clicking with me yeah, conceptually. And then I've always had, I have this, I feel like I have this very deep, deep innate desire to help people. Mm. And I feel like teaching is just a very natural, you know, how can I help people? How can I work with kids? Teaching just makes a lot of sense. So is that what you say you think your purpose would be? Oh, yeah. I think I'm just helping people yeah i'm born to be a teacher yeah. i don't think there's any i love that there's never been any doubt in my mind like since i realized it there hasn't really been doubt in my mind um i have wavered on i i feel like i have wavered a few times on this idea of like am i really cut out to be a teacher i think you are because my thing is i could not imagine myself doing anything but teaching like i'm meant to teach but it's teaching meant for me. Like I wow. have a very like, I don't have a thick skin. I never have. I don't like it. I've gotten better, but like things get into my head. Things rub me the wrong way. Yeah. Just like, you know, if I feel something is wrong or unjust, I can't not try to fix it. Right. And so, you know, going into, especially if you end up in public education, you're as a single teacher, you're not, necessarily in a position to be crying out for change you know and so just that aspect of of teaching and education in general has kind of left me wondering whether or not i'm really cut out for it i think you are and i also uh have this question for you do you think that there's a difference between what your purpose is in terms of career and then in terms of life? Or do you think it's the same thing? I do. I do think there's a difference. That's a good question. I, I, I honestly, just the way you were just talking about it, I was like, damn. Maybe, maybe in terms of making money, your purpose is to help people. But maybe your true overarching aspect of life is something else. Maybe. I don't, I'm just thinking out loud here. Oh, no, I totally agree. And I, I don't... That's a very good way to put it. I've actually had very similar thoughts. I think in the same way I'm meant to be a teacher, I'm meant to be a dad. Like, I'm... I totally... I agree. intend to have kids one day. Although, again, I have wavered a little bit on that. And I think part of it is just... It's it's such a big thing to take it's on. It's expensive. Like, it's time-consuming. Exactly. It's commitment. Everything. And so you kind of want... I kind of find myself wondering, like, will I ever grow into someone who can be... A proper father like that. Yeah. I and think I think it'll come dad. along. You'll be it'll great, come along. You'll be a great dad. Yeah, I think I think one of the greatest piece of, pieces of advice I got, it was I ended up driving 
uh, my high school crew coach uh, to we we have like a rental truck to haul the trailer with our boats around. Mm-hmm. Um, and so I had to drive her back to get her car from the rental place. And I kind of expect it to be like it's awkward. Like I, she and I did not see eye to eye all the time. Yeah. Um, in hindsight, I mean, she said and did a lot of things that I didn't like and I didn't agree with at the time. Uh, which in hindsight, you know, having been a coach of the sport now, I do think things could have been handled and said a little more tactfully. Okay. But I don't disagree. Like in hindsight, I do agree that like what she was doing was definitely what was best for the boat and for the team, you know? And again, that's what, but so I can, anyway, so I go into this, this ride, it's probably like a 40 minute drive. I'm like, man, like this is going to be awkward. Like, but we actually ended up having a really nice conversation about life. Like, and I think that's kind of in her and I's relationship, just as people, not as coach and rower or athlete or whatever. Yep. Just as two human beings, I feel like she and I started to understand each other a lot better. Wow. Um, and so one of the things she told me was like, I forget exactly how we were just talking about like, you know, her marriage and her life and just kind of the circumstances that built up to where she is and or was at that point. Um, and one of the big things she told me, she just like, we got quiet for a second, and she just looked at me straight in the eyes and said, you know, Donalyn, if you sit here waiting until you're ready to have kids, you're never going to have kids. Whoa. Yeah, that's like, that was a big, I'm very much like, you know how sometimes you hear something and it really just shifts your whole mindset on life? Yeah. That was one of those things. Because I think... You know, as much as it obviously applies to, like, kids and stuff, there have been so many times in my life where I've kind of found myself wondering, like, am I really ready to take take this on? Am I ready to do this or to make that decision? And I kind of find myself sitting back and playing that day back in my head. I mean, it was a gorgeous day. It was The sun was just starting to set. I mean, we were driving in this big open field headed towards, like, kind of the towards uh, Bradley, the airport out in uh, Windsor Locks, which is like... You know, yeah. Kind of like the big airport in Connecticut. Mm-hmm. Kind of where anyone goes. If that, that's actually crazy that that's where it was because I have a story now ah, that, well, that can kind of relate to that. But I, I kind of... I sit... But whenever I feel overwhelmed and whether I feel like I'm doubting whether or not I'm ready to start it, I think and I'm just like... I say to myself, like, you know what? I'm not ready. I may never be really, but if, you know, if I'm sitting here waiting until I'm ready, I may never get that window. Nobody's ever ready. Exactly. You, you could say you want to have a kid. And even once you have the kid, uh, for those who don't know, uh, I don't think I announced on the pod. Maybe I did. Maybe I didn't. Shout out to my brother and his uh, beautiful wife. They are having a child. I'm going to be an uncle. Which is going to be, which is unreal, because I still kind of see myself as a kid. So just, <laughs> right, you know how we talked about that a little bit. So, like, it doesn't really make sense. But they, I, who knows? I, I mean. I envy I, that kid. I, I, my, my brother, I mean, in terms of financials, I mean, I don't know how they're, like, I, I don't know what their situation is like or how they, but they, they just, uh, everything's meant to happen for a reason. Everything's meant yeah. to be. And, uh. It's uh, it's gonna be a boy, by the way, for those that uh, were interested in the the gender. But uh, yeah, they, they 
whether it was however they're old now, uh, or yeah, old they are now, or seven years from now, whenever it was, it was just time. Then you know, you know what I'm trying to say. No, I get so it, yeah. so. Uh, they're gonna go through the hurdles. They're gonna have to deal with uh, mommy or daddy waking up at three a.m. just uh, take care of the crying, uh, poopy diapers, all that. They're gonna have to go through all that. It's not like you can get experience in being a parent. Obviously, let's say you were an older sibling and your parents had a baby when you were like 15. Maybe you have an idea or a concept of what it's like. But unless you're in those very few uh, predicaments, nobody's truly ready for it. No, exactly. And like the thing is, like you can do all you can to prepare and you can plan and plan and plan. Yep. Thing like I've given up on trying – like I'm a planner. I mean I – like, I'm someone who, as soon as class schedule times are released, I'm building my schedule already. Wow. Like, that's just how I am. Like, I can't not think ahead, and yet I have to, like, I actively sit down and say, I can't plan ahead. Do you think that might be the reason why maybe you get anxiety? That's because you always have to plan? I do think it's, I think, that's an interesting one, because I think it could go both ways. I think you could say, I'm I plan. I'm anxious because I plan ahead and because I overwhelm myself with thinking that far ahead. Or I'm anxious because I don't. Or you could say that I I plan ahead so far because I'm anxious. Ah, and so it's like, you know, it's inter. It's it's interesting how, you know, how just changing a couple of words in that can really flip the kind of cause and effect. Just like uh, instead of why is this happening to me, what is this trying to teach me? Exactly. Two different ways to look at life. It's ex- exactly, and that's a big thing. Like, and I've, I, I've, I'm just as guilty as as anyone. I mean, it's easy, especially in the moment, to kind of wallow and let yourself pity yourself. And I don't think that feeling bad for yourself is a bad thing necessarily. Yeah. But at some point, you have. It's like I said. Like at some point, you have to say, okay, so this situation sucks. Now, how can I change it or what can I do to try to improve it? Um, and I've realized, like, I, I think you and I used to talk a lot about how, you know, I, oh, I would say, you know, I just never really keep in touch with people after these kinds of things, you know, like, you know, in reference to our study group where we met. Um, but I, I, I've done a little thinking about that. I had this one friend and she would always tell me, you know, no one ever sticks around. Everyone leaves me, like everyone in my life, like no one stays friends with me. And at the time, I remember I said, like, I'm never going to leave you. Like, I really thought I was going to be the one to stick. I didn't. And I had I had some hindsight, you know, hindsight is twenty twenty. But I looked back and I realized, like, she just wasn't, she was a toxic person. And I really wow. hope she's gotten better. And I hope she's made like positive. that's the reason why people never stay. Yeah, like because, she. Yeah, you know, like an example is she. Like she's brutally honest, quote unquote. And so, you know, like you know, we'd be with our friend, and she'd be talking about you know whatever guy she's talking to or dating or sleeping with at the time, and she would just look, and you know, this girl would just look at this other girl who's telling us these stories and just go like, "You're like such a slut" or whatever, and it's like. You know, she said, and then I, she, you know, and, you know, our friend's, like, visibly upset, walks away. I look at her, I'm like, you know, isn't that a bit harsh? Yeah, seriously. And this girl looks at me in the eyes, and she says, she justifies it, and she, you know what she says? She says to me, I'm not being harsh, I'm just being brutally honest. It's tough love. 
And the thing is, like, I understand, like, maybe her intentions were to help. And I don't think she's, like, this girl's a malicious person in the sense that she wants to tear people down. But I think she had a lot of her own stuff going on. And so I just, and I think she was someone who kind of wanted to wallow in her self-pity. She wouldn't take the steps to work towards getting better. And again, I'm not saying that, like, she had it easy but she certainly didn't help herself at all. Right. And I think I kind of look back, you know, with that kind of a lens of looking to help myself change. And I realize, like, when I, I say, you know, I just don't really stay in touch with people. Like, I just tend to fall out of touch with people. I now look at that and say, well, what am I doing or not doing that leads to me losing touch with these There's people? There's always two sides to it. Exactly. For sure. And like, yeah, communication is a two-way street. Like, I, they, I, they are not texting me to hang out just as much as I'm not texting them. But I also, as much as I can address the other person's role in us not talking or really hanging out anymore, I have to recognize my own role. Like, if I'm not actively, re- it's like it's one thing if. You know, you have a friend who's always flaking out or canceling plans or just always is busy. But if I'm not actively reaching out, then I'm part of the problem. Not, again, like sometimes people, people do just fall out of touch. But, you know, if you're not trying and you're like, you are you can't, it's, you can't really, I can't really sit here and complain about not staying in touch with people if I'm not reaching out to them, you know? I definitely think that, um, some sort of effort needs to be put in on both sides, for sure. I think when you said that about a year ago, because for, for those that want a little more explanation as to what, what he's kind of referring to, uh, so we were in the same statistics class. I pretty much just stood up in front of the whole class at the end of the class, the very first class in the first day because my ass is terrible at math. And I just said, hey, does anybody want to possibly get a Snapchat group chat going or something just so we can all stay in touch, go over the homework together, maybe even work on the homework in person? Because I know I'm going to fail if I don't get help or work on this with other people. And you were one of the people that said, hey, I'm down. And some of the other people, uh, very few people were down, but shout out to those those people. And I think there are a lot. I think, to be fair, there were a lot of people who were down to ask, to be in a group chat, to ask for the answers. Yes. I just don't think there were a lot but of people to actually who were put down to like sit down and work together like we ended up doing. And in those t- during those times when we did actually work on the homework together, we obviously formed a bond and and became friends. And you mentioned it, and it's happened to me before. It's happened to me in every phase of school. And you pretty much said, "Hey guys, like I'm gonna be honest with you, like you guys are the best." But, man, like, this is going to suck once the semester's over because I don't know if this is truly going to last. Like, if I'm just being completely bluntly or blatantly honest. And you weren't wrong. It it happens way more times than not. Because the thing is, is I think friends gets – the word friends just gets tossed around too casually. I think there's acquaintances. I think there's friends. And that's really it. And then there's, like, family where you consider – even if you're not – Blood. blood. Like, blood couldn't make you any closer. You know what I'm trying to say? I know what you mean. So, I think that as we got to know each other more and time went on, and the more time we spent with one another, and and, and you, you were saying that, 
I was, I kept thinking to myself, I was like, this kid doesn't know who the fuck he's talking to. <laughs> and it, it, it's true. I didn't. No, it, it's true because I, and listen, I think there's the number one human flaw, everyone's flaw, discipline and consistency. To my nature. Those are the two hardest things that are never given. They're always earned. Entirely agreed. Always. And, and I always procrastinated when I, I after high school, I, in high school, I was able to get away with uh, a lot of bullshit, eating unhealthy, all this other BS because I was constantly running and working out. I was a football player. So obviously I can get away with those things. But then when it comes to a point where you're not doing those things and then you are gaining weight or you are getting lazier, you know you are getting weaker, slower, ETC, and then you tell people, oh, I'm going to get back. I'm going to get back in shape. And you never do, and it's just all talk. I was, I, And I knew I was doing it. I, I was trying to psych myself up to other people, like just have a little faith in me. And I knew that was hard because like, Lots of people these days, it's hard to have faith in, in some of your peers. Even if you say, if you, even the best of friends, it's hard to truly support somebody. Let's say um, we were friends for like 20 years. And I said, Nick, let's say you make a good amount of money. I said, Nick, I'm starting a company. Just trust me and trust my process. If, dude, if you were able to somehow loan me and I'll pay you back $5,000, just I promise you I will repay you back and and more that type of deal just have a little faith it's hard to have faith you see what i'm I know to say? it is like and so um when it comes to certain things i try and be a man of my word about about my shit and and you kept saying that i was like dude i'm not gonna let that happen no way i'm gonna do whatever the fuck i can because obviously you said sometimes it's like you'll be the reason why because you're not also contributing but i i don't think if you sweat this happened to one of my friendships not gonna say any names. We were sweating so much. What the future held was it gonna stick? That it end up it ended up not sticking because we were sweating it that much. You shouldn't be sweating it that much, but you also shouldn't not care. Yeah, there's always a balance with things, and I think I get stressed out about things because I think you know I I'm adopted, so I think it's very. It, I know for a fact it's very common statistically for people who are adopted to have uh, various forms of abandonment issues. And I think they manifest themselves in a lot of different ways. And I think I have, and I again have with how much looking internally I've been doing lately, I've recognized that I do a lot of blocking people out so that I'm not blocked out. If that that's kind of like goodwill hunting. Exactly. You've ever, you, you ever seen that? Oh, movie? I have. Yeah. Fantastic movie. Yeah. It sounds just like good, but it's a real thing. No, it, it is. And I like for me, it's like I think I get scared to like really commit. It, you know, one thing I do find interesting is you were talking about like friends and family and the word friends being thrown around too much. I think I'm more careful with calling someone my friend than I am with like telling people that I love them and I care about them. Because I do think those are two different things. I think you can care about someone and not consider them like a close friend, but that doesn't mean you don't want to see them do do and be well. You know, and I think like my think my thought process with the word love is I think life's too short to not tell people we care about them and to not tell them we love them. And it might not be this like in the context of in the whole, just in general, or just specifically towards those friends and family, just in, Cause friends like, and family. Because yeah, because I'm about to say like, 
Life's too short to tell a girl you love her after a weekend. It's gonna be pretty hard to find. Oh her. no, that yeah, that yeah. no, I mean like. Yeah. But no, I I got you. I got you. Like if I like, I think, love has this. You know, people consider love a four-letter word. People are scared to talk about love and to express how much we care about each other. And I think that's so so sad because like, like I always try to tell my friends and people I care about that I love them when I leave. Because the idea of like, you know, God, God forbid something happened to myself or to one of them. If I couldn't say for a fact that they knew I loved them, that would that would suck. Yeah, it would really, you know, I like I can't really find the words to express that kind of, but it it would really suck. When did you? Your logic or your your brain start making you want to feel this 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 strongly about it's, about this. You know, did I, it did it happen uh, post high school before high school? It was during high school. I think my um my junior year, I there was this kid who he he rode for a town. He was a rower for a town over from me. Uh, he ended up committing suicide. Wow. And, it was like it was so weird to me because th- this is a kid and he was a good kid. He and I would interact a lot. You know, he was he's Asian. He was Asian too, so it was like, and you know, in a, a predominantly white sport. So like he and I would always kind of, hey, like you know, a, like you know, kind of the Asian camaraderie almost. Um, but I wasn't like close friends. Like we had each other on social media and stuff, but we weren't like hanging out and stuff. And. When I saw the new, like, I remember, I was babysitting at the time. I remember, like, I just put the kids to bed, and I was, like, just kind of going through my phone as you do when it's been a minute. And I saw this, and I remember just, like, I just sat on the couch, and I was just, like, shell-shocked. I mean, I was, like, because this is, a, like, he was a good person. Yeah, he was a, was he a, uh very pure soul kind of guy. Just he like was you, a very you, you wouldn't have suspected exactly. Him like to he be was such a he was such a good kid. Wow! Just from the times I interacted with him, and I remember it hit me so deep. It hit me so like it it really shook me to my core. And I remember thinking to myself on the drive home, like, do I even have a right to feel like this about this kid? Like, as much as he and I got along, and I did know him, and obviously it's like a hard thing to to hear about i mean he was so young i mean he was like 15 16 years old i mean it's tragic yeah but like i'm kind of sitting here wondering like it's not like this kid was my best friend like obviously i knew him and it was like we were kind of friends adjacent like close acquaintances it was kind of like that weird spot where it's like you're kind of drawn to each other in a certain context but you're not like hanging out outside of that yeah. specific kind of context. And so for a long time, I was really hooked up on this idea of like, do I even have the right to be this deeply affected by this? Yeah. But, you know, when when he passed away, I was also at that point going through a lot of my stuff that I mentioned earlier. Mm. I found myself in a very like, a very dark place where I didn't know, like, it was a point where I, I was, I wasn't sure if the truck was going to come along, but, like, 
I wanted my friends to know that if something happened to me, because you know, I think a lot of people knew I wasn't doing great then. I don't think it was very... I don't think I was really hiding it all that well. I just wanted my friends and my family to know, like, if something happens to me, and if you find yourself wondering if I didn't swerve out of the way because of them, I want them to know that that wasn't why. It was a me thing. It wasn't them. And I want them to know, like, and, you know... And, you know, that also made me realize that, like... Life is such a short, fragile thing, and, like, you know, for this, like, I, in hindsight, obviously cared about this kid. I cared about him. Like, even if we weren't the best of friends, like, we were drawn to each other. Like, he was something, he was someone who made me feel cared for when we were together, and he was someone who, even if we weren't always going out of each other, our ways to see each other, we still, there was still a mutual care and respect for each other. And so just the idea of of losing someone and kind of sitting there and wondering whether they knew how profoundly they affected my life, it just kind of killed me. Man. Like, it was hard. Like, But that was, a, one, again, one of those, like, moments where I feel like a lot of times you don't always know where your mindset comes from on a certain thing or your viewpoints on a certain thing, where they come from. With that kind of stuff, with just being open with my feelings and honest and, you know, life's, you know, frankly, life's too short to fuck around with that kind of stuff. You know, if you care about someone, like, in my opinion, you gotta let them, it doesn't have to be saying the words, I love you, but, you know, everyone has their own way of expressing things, but I think life's too short to not express these kinds of feelings Absolutely. for people you do care. And again, I don't. I don't, I'm, I don't bullshit with it. I do, like, love is... The word love does mean a lot to me. It does... It is something I hold sacred. It's just... I don't... I don't want to... I don't waste the time and energy sitting around thinking about whether I do love them. Because if I... You just let it be known. I just let it be known. Like, I care and that's about you. completely understandable. Yeah. Especially just, with what happened, man. Yeah. It's, it's such a sad situation. My God, yeah. it's it's it just baffles me how m- many people can be impacted by a young person committing suicide or just uh, I don't want to say a traumatic event, but something really unfortunate or just devastating were to happen, and how their perspective and viewpoints on things can just switch overnight. When Colby died, I yeah. think I think that was the biggest week, maybe month, maybe all of 2020, where everyone just tried to not take every day for granted. I think 2020 was a big year. Obviously, it was terrible that a bunch of people were getting sick and dying. Obviously, it was horrible. But I think when Colby died and, and relatives are dropping because of COVID, I think that Especially when we couldn't go outside because of the lockdown. Nobody knew what COVID was and everyone was freaking out. I think that we learned to value our time. We learned to value others and, and appreciate the things that we always think are just given. Like waking up. We always just assume we're going to wake up in the morning. But quite frankly, sometimes you just don't. And maybe there's not an explanation for it. It's just natural causes. You just 
your heart just stops. And it wasn't that you had a heart attack, you weren't healthy. It happens. I, my mom is, is a nurse. She's told me stories of healthy men in their 30s, and they just never woke up, and they were as healthy as can be. Yeah, I mean, it's terrifying. Nothing's I mean, guaranteed. Like, you know, something like a brain aneurysm, like, there's there are very few ways to predict it. It's not like it's something that's preventable. It just happens. Yes. I mean, uh, the, the guy from Mythbusters, Grant, I can't think of his last name, but Grant from Mythbusters, I mean, he was... 41 pretty healthy like you know it's and he just had brain aneurysm and died i mean it's so like it's really incredible like how many ways there are and how like not necessarily uncommon uh those causes are and how unpredictable it can be right you know like sometimes it's just you know it's not in the cards but like i remember one of my friends, um, his stepmother was like one of the best people I've ever had the pleasure of meeting in my life. I mean, she was truly like, she was a really, really special human being. And she was so healthy. I mean, I mean, she was such a healthy person. She did everything right. And she ended up getting, ended up with breast cancer and it, it took her life. And I mean, it, that was a moment, another moment for me where I really like had to sit down and just set, I said to myself like, man, like you can do everything right. Like it was so frustrating to me because it's like this woman did everything. Not only did she do everything right in terms of taking care of herself and her body, but she was just, she was truly like one of just the brightest, kindest people you'll ever meet. I mean, she, the very first time I met her, you know, like, it was, I'll admit, it was kind of weird, like, I, you know, it was kind of weird, like, meeting the stepmother, you know, of a friend, and, but she really was a, such a, she was such a genuinely bright and special human being. Yeah. And it, it was just so, you know, it was, as much as it was hard to, to lose her, like, I, the toll it took on my friend, like, it was, it was really hard for him. Like, I remember I, I was grounded at the time, and I remember I got the text from him like, she didn't make it. And I remember I just, I remember going to my mom and saying like, "Listen, mom, I know I'm grounded. I, you're like totally justified. Like what I did was wrong. I I drove someone before I was legally allowed to, and I got caught by my mom, not by like the cops or anything, but um." I remember just, like, in that moment, like, just the first instinct was, I'll be there as soon as I can. You know, I just, like, nothing else mattered. Like, if it had been, I would never see my car again because I just took it and went off while I was ground. So be it, like. Sometimes it's bigger yeah. than just the And obviously, petty. like, my when I yeah. told my mom what was going on, she was like, oh, my God, like, go, like, go, go, go. Like, don't, like, don't worry about it. Like, I just go do what you got to do. And I'm and to this day I'm so grateful for my to my mother for that. And usually people in general will show the human side. The the true human good Samaritan side where they say, "You know what? Go do the right thing." But yeah, like and I I really do appreciate and I think I appreciate that so much because as much as it meant to me to see that my mother genuinely cared about my friends and the people like, because my parents aren't the type to like you know be hanging out with my buddies when they're over they're very much like 
listen, you're a bunch of, you know, teenagers. I don't know how to talk to you. You don't know how to talk to me. We're just going to let you be. You know, and so just to see that my parents did really care about the people I care about that way was important to me. But more importantly, like just her really holding up this idea that like that they raised me to like want to help people and to be there for people who need me. Wow. And just to see, you know, my parents like without a second thought, like I thought I was ready to like fight for this. I was ready to say like to bargain and say like, listen, you can ground me for an extra month after this week. Like I don't care what it takes. Like I'm going. But for her to just like as as upset with, as she was with me for driving my friend home, like was it the same friend? No, no, it was a different friend. But you know, as much as she was upset with me about that, because you know it wasn't something I should have been doing, like that all went out the window in a in a second. You know, it like it wasn't even a, it was no hesitation. Just Nick, go. Like you, he needs you more than I need you to understand what you did. Yeah. Like I like she knew like I under I think she could tell. I understood what I did wrong and I regretted it and I recognized that was like a dumb mistake that I shouldn't have made and she just said okay like just go like don't worry about consequences after this like just just go and I mean I'm so grateful for that because seeing how that house was I mean there's two little kids who didn't really understand weren't really old enough to grasp all they'd been through as a family quite yet and there were there was my, one of my my best friends, like a man I consider, like a brother to me, and then his father just, I mean, truly shake. Like I mean, just I can't even like I heard stories, but I can't even imagine the toll it had on him. You know, watching someone he loved and someone he had built a life like that with just gone. And I mean, again, like just someone who did everything she possibly could write it's just it it just there was so much going on i mean i remember i stopped by mcdonald's because i knew he was like she was a great cook you know she was doing most of the cooking around that there at that point and i remember i was like he's i remember like like they both said like i was too like in shock to even realize how hungry i was you know and it was just it was so just just you know, and it wasn't, he, he's had a really rough go of it before that. And he had, he's had a really rough go of it since then. And just to see how strong he's been through everything. Wow. It really inspires me. Like it, it's been hard to be like it. I understand that is like, we were talking about being a supportive friend. I've been there for the lows and I know how hard it can be, how scary it can be, how, how helpless you can feel but I'll tell you what seeing him kind of come out of that place out of that just that darkness that he was in and seeing him smile again hearing him laugh again I mean you know I I haven't been the best about hanging out with him keeping in touch with him but we still like we still keep in touch but it's not like we talk every day or anything but you know, just seeing where he was then, where I wasn't sure if I'd ever, I didn't know if he'd make it, to be honest with you. Like, it was bad. But to see him laughing and smiling again, even if it's not always with me, that makes me so happy. 
it was really hard watching. You know, it was, I mean, there was a point where, like, locked in his room, wouldn't wouldn't talk to anyone. Like, I remember I sat outside his bedroom door for, like, a good half hour just trying to coax him out. I mean, I, like, it was hard. It was really, really difficult. And it's it's kind of difficult, you know, reliving it. Like, I haven't thought about it much since it happened, but it's... He has been through so much, and I'm so, so proud to call him my friend and my brother. But, you know, to 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 see that, it, it makes you think, you know? It makes you wonder, like, could I have expressed myself a little more earlier on and prevented this? And obviously not. Like, you know, obviously there was a lot of, a lot of messed up stuff going on in his life, and there was a lot of underlying things that were out of my control and out of his control and out of anyone's control, but you can't help but sit there and wonder, you know what I mean? That was incredible. <laughs> Truly. I'm speechless. Um, that just reminds me so much of this, um, of the situation that happened with my mother and, um, when I was a kid and my parents told me that they were getting divorced, it felt like the world came crashing down on me. Because when you're a kid, you think that everything's going to go according to plan. Mommy and daddy will always be there for you. They're the best. They're your rock. They are your foundation. They are who you look up to. And... I knew that they weren't good for each other. Like, I, I saw it. I know it's a I didn't know that parents are allowed to get divorced. I just didn't know that. And when they told me, it just felt like a kid being told, um, if you're a kid, all right, that's listening to this, you don't know about this, well, then maybe you are old enough because you're watching and listening to this podcast, which I appreciate. But pretty much hearing the truth about a Santa Claus or it, it, that's how it feels. It's like, what? But and to be fair, when I was told the truth about Santa, my mom pretty much worded it like this. She said, son, do you really think an oversized ass old white man with a giant beard is going to open the front door and give you presents? Think about that. Truly. I was like 10. I was like, holy shit. Okay. On a, I, I agree with you. On a lighter note, you can't see it if, if you're not watching the video. If you're just listening listening to the audio here, I started smiling while he was telling talking about Santa because it just occurred to me there, like, imagine you are, like, some some 10-year-old who's just – or some 8-year-old. I don't remember when I don't know what stopped, the appropriate but, like, age is. Yeah. Imagine you're some, like, 8-year-old who just stumbles across this podcast. You hear all this heavy stuff. You know, you're processing everything, and, and then just then now boom, on top of that, Santa isn't real. Yeah, like, and, imagine, and on top of that, like, yeah, imagine, that's brutal. That's imagine, a brutal. That's a brutal ten minute stretch right there. And then imagine being like the parent of this kid. Your kid comes crying to you. Santa's not real. Santa's not real. You know, there. And then as a parent, you go and listen to the podcast, and you hear all this other stuff that your child has consumed before you get to this just big boom. Santa's not real. Sorry, kid. 
Um, yeah, but pretty much the way she phrased it, I agreed with her. I was like, oh, my God, cool. Glad we, that's the situation settled. Well, when you put it that and way. Plus, we didn't have a chimney. So <laughs> we didn't have a chimney. So and no fireplace either. So it never really made sense. Um, yeah. But but you get the point. No, so I do. So um, I do. They they pretty much told me. So back back to the series now. Yeah. They so they sit us down and they tell us. And man, I just remember crying and crying and crying. Even though I knew that this was the right move for our family, and I didn't know how divorce works, custody, all that that mess. My God. Um, I pray nobody ever has to go through. Their parents never have to go through a divorce. Just the, either themselves or just their parents or people they know. It is just such an ugly. Sometimes it can be mutual and, and everything's cool, but man, it, sometimes it can get ugly. Most of the time, it I and I would imagine it does most and, of the time. Um, X amount of years later, my mom ended up meeting my stepfather, and as a kid, I was very. I became very ungrateful. I became very petty and a nuisance. I was just. I just wanted, I don't want to say my parents to get back together, but I just didn't want my mom to meet another man. It felt wrong. I couldn't stand the thought of that. And one day, I was at my brother's football game in high school. My mom introduces me to this man who I thought was just there to see the game. Little did I know that they were talking and eventually started to come around the house more and more and more. And then, boom, he's already living with us and... It just kind of seemed like he snuck in, if I'm being honest. Like, it just didn't even felt, yeah. Um, and I just had to live with the idea of having another man in my mother's life, in my life. And on top of that, um, I heard stories, but you never judge a book by its cover, about this guy. Um, who you once were isn't what who you are now. That That is what I, I do believe that. No, and, and I agree. Yeah, and... Um, he treated my family with the utmost respect. When I was being a little shit and our family was being a little shit at the dinner table, he knew it wasn't his place, and he would just get up and go to his room or go to yeah uh, their room. And um, at the time, I was like, "Yeah, that's what I thought." But now, looking back, like looking back at it, as a man, and now I'm a young a young adult. It's been years now. This was in like my freshman year of high school. We're talking so years, years ago, and um, he did all the right things. Just as a mature person, uh, as a man entering a family who he knows, like he has no—I don't want to say authority, but you—you you know, what I know what you mean. Yeah, so it's like kind of that. Yeah, I'm not. He, he I knows, haven't he earned this place yet. Yeah, I haven't earned the yes. right to to act like a cer- act a certain way. And he, honestly. As much as I love my dad, and my dad's still a part of my life. He's great. He really is. But he had all the good qualities that as much as I love my dad, that my dad didn't have. I thought that he was um, he was more structured and organized than my dad. Uh, I thought he was more well-spoken than my dad at times. Just little things like that. Little nonsense. He was the coach, uh, or not coach, like the manager, but he also played, sometimes he played, of a softball team, a men's softball team. He did pool night every week, and he would actually make money off it because he was really good. He would go to to the movies every Tuesday for a discount with <laughs> his friends and his closest people. He had his whole thing going for him. He, uh, he always 
did what he could for work and always enjoyed it. He put smiles on people's faces. He made my mother happy and her life a whole lot easier. And I, even then at the time, I still never truly appreciated what he was doing or understood it because I just refused to. And um, as time went on, um, I noticed that he would get heavier and skinnier and heavier and skinnier. And I was just trying to figure out what was up with that. And my mom pretty much explained to me how he had bad um, kidneys, I believe it was, and how gastric acid would build up in his stomach and he'd have to get it drained every so often because he just is just uh, internal things going on in his body the clock the clocks were just slow getting they were spinning slower and slower pretty much and um one day he sat me down and i'll never forget this he sat me down and pretty much just said look i don't have much time and i i don't know how much time i have um and he pretty much just said i never liked my stepfather but once he passed, and as time went on, I truly understood what exactly he meant to me and my family. And I don't remember if he said that he had the time to tell his stepfather he respected him. But the whole time, I didn't say a word. Uh, at least as far as I believe. Maybe my reality is distorted. I don't know. But I, from what I remember, I didn't say a word. Uh, at least I didn't say much. And um, I just listened to everything he had to say. He just left he left his piece on that table for me and I think it just ended up shaking his hand and just went downstairs because I just pretty much was told by a person that he was going to die in a matter of time Jeez. and I didn't know what to make of that and at the same time I didn't I don't want to say I didn't like him but I still wasn't comfortable with the whatever was going on and, I've, and so I fast forward because so I moved twice in my life the first time he moved in with my family was my first house. He moved in for the second house. And then where we are now, here, right upstairs, is where he told me. And, um, I'm just trying to make sure I have everything pieced together. No, take your time. He, um, so yeah, he told me, um, blah, blah, blah. Yep. And then, um, as time went on, he got weaker and weaker, and then I was told that eventually he was in hospice, and my mom was always at the hospital at that point. My brother went to go visit. I never went. I never saw him go out, um, and I should have. I should have been there. I know I should have. Um, obviously, hindsight's twenty twenty. It's easy to have regrets. It's easy to know the right thing that you should have done. I'm not trying to like guilt trip myself here. Um, now I know, but I also missed out on my grandfather. Um, when he was in hospice on my dad's side, uh, I was there when my grandfather took his last breaths on my mother's side, uh, last year. Was it last year, if I'm not mistaken, or was it this year? I believe it was last year, yes. Yes, that sounds right. But, um, he pretty much told me what it meant to, to, not, not how to run a family, but he told me, like, what it takes to be a man. He showed me. He showed me the right things, even without saying much. And, oh, I remember what I was going to say now. So I'm not going to drop any names, but how I told you, you never judge a book by its cover. Before, uh, I heard things about him when he was in our lives. But I remember the first time I did stick up for him and my family when I was very shy. Um, I'm not going to say who or what the situation involved, but pretty much uh, there was a person and 
I was just playing, dude. I was playing Mario Kart. I was just chilling, minding my. I should have been outside playing, but my ass was just chilling inside like a lazy bum playing Mario Kart when I was like sophomore in high school, freshman in high school, and as you do. I, yeah, and I just heard uh, a person uh, pull another person aside uh, and pretty much say, uh, "There's no way I'm I'll, gonna be okay with this happening." Uh, I can't believe you would let so-and-so be with this person. This is ridiculous. This is unbelievable. I'm sugarcoating the hell out of this. Or, or trying to, you know what I mean, like not unveil too much. But yeah. let's just say it was bad enough for me to go downstairs and yell at a person in front of a lot of people, a lot of guests. That was, And I just said, what the hell? How could you let that happen? And I stood up for my family. I, I stood up for my family. I stood up for a man who I knew was right for my mother and right for my family. Even though we might not have saw, saw eye to eye because I was stubborn, um, I stood up for my family. And um, as time goes on, even to this day, um, even when he's no longer here with us, um, you just, and like you said, the whole love thing and letting people know you love them and how you feel about them. I, I never ever told him through his face because like I but even to be fair like even, I never I didn't cry when he died if I'm being honest with you because I never grew that connection with him my brother wasn't because my, my brother he just, my brother would tell you the same thing he felt the same way as I did but times like ten because he had bad ADHD he was very outgoing uh but just his personality was just so much but eventually like they actually did create a bond and he ended up playing on his softball team and. There was a bond there, and my brother was gutted, um, but I didn't cry when he died. Now, this is when it gets even more, like, deep. So, time goes on, um, and I was playing football, and uh, it was, like, in the off season, or I think later in the season itself, like, the, that following, I think it was the off season. I forget, whatever. Yeah. But I just, I was working out with the team, and... We were going over team bonding and chemistry. And um, so his name was Will. And uh, Will, when um, we moved into our second house, he brought a dog. He gave us a dog. His name was Oreo. He's a little Pomeranian, black Pomeranian. With little, like, white fur on his belly, like, just Aww. here and there. So, like, a little know. guy, like. Yes. And Oreo was the the pup of Will's actual dog growing up, Foxy, who I think just passed away like not too long ago. The oh, dog wow. was old as hell. And it had pups. And Will got one of the pups from his previous oh, dog. That's and so that, cute. That's incredible. That is. And he brought home little Oreo. Even though my mom didn't want a dog, he gave us a dog. <laughs> he brought a dog. And um, so while condition was going on, I think this was when Oreo was sick. Fun fact. Well, it's not a fun fact because it was... Sad. Pretty much the same thing that happened to my stepfather was exactly what happened to Oreo before he really? passed away. No I, kidding. I, I genuinely think there was a spiritual. Listen, I know that sometimes there's science, there's coincidences. I genuinely think that there there was like a, a eternal bond with that dog and my stepfather. Aside from um, Oreo, so he ended, first of all he ended up going blind. I noticed. Uh, I believe they're called. Cataracts. Cataracts, yes, thank you. In his eyes. And I told my mom, I was like, what is that in his eye? What, What is that? And my mom was like, oh, it's nothing. And then they got bigger and bigger and bigger. And eventually he had blue 
eyes and he was blind and I'd, I'd have to snap to him to like help him walk. Yeah, I mean, that's what happened to my dog too, Charlie. I mean, he, same thing. Yeah. Like, just the eyes especially. Yep. You could see like, it kind of starts as this little like, huh, that's weird. Like his eyes look a little cloudy, a little funky. And yep. that just, and then you kind of realize one day like, man, he really can't see shit. Like, and, um, he wasn't eating as much. Oriel wasn't eating as much. He he was losing weight just like Will did. Um, he was throwing things up just like Will did. Just the, the whole, like, it was insane. I couldn't even believe it was happening. So Will was already passed away, and then here's his dog that he gave to us, that, who I love dearly. Oriel was like my best friend. And here you have him going out the same way as this man, and I'm just slowly losing, like, some of my favorite things ever. You feel me? And... I think this was after shortly after Oreo passed away as well. And I still haven't grieved as much. But the thing with... Okay, so with Oreo, once again, I wasn't there for Oreo being put down. I took a picture the day before he was. And it was on, it's honestly a devastating photo. But I took it because I knew that it was actually a very incredible photo. Low quality camera, Andrew, but my mom was like tired as hell. She was exhausted from trying to, for just like, she was kind of like grieving before he even died in a way. And I, I took a picture of her just kind of like on her knees, like laying like this in front of him, just like laying curled up in a ball because he was so sick on the couch. And um, the next day she went to go put him down and she asked me to join her and I, I couldn't. And I shouldn't have been in school that day, but I get the text of him wrapped in a blanket, eyes closed, and it felt like a hur- a, I don't know what the highest category hurricane is, just overcame my body and my emotions. And um, I, I just didn't make any noise, and my eyes just filled up and just flooded. And I, I wasn't even making any noise. I was ripped. I'm a silent crier. I know some people grieve in their different ways. I ju- I'm a silent crier, man. And it's just, it's just what I do. But um, I came home and it was silent. And you know when you have a dog or a pet, how oh, special that bond is. And we take it for granted. Um, come home and they're, they're there to greet you. They're all so happy and energetic. And it was silent. And that first day coming back home, I'll never forget how silent it was. And it just felt like a piece of you was ripped away. And so the stepfather thing happened. Then Oreo happened. And back to the football thing. I, they were um, doing a team bonding chemistry thing for the team just so we could all get on the same page because our locker room was toxic. And that was the day where I saw maybe the most honest and open room I've ever been a part of. With dudes who try to pretend that they were hard asses. Dudes that thought they were the shit. And I saw them all, damn near all cry. Our coach, who I didn't like and I thought he was an asshole. Probably that that was, the, that one day was my favorite day. But only because it was so special. Um, that's the only thing I'll give him credit for was this, coming up with this. He pretty much had us all sit against the wall and close our eyes. And he said, if God were to, were to come to you right now and just say like like your time is up and he said you will but i will let you enjoy 30 seconds of something to see or relive what would you like to see 
and we all just sat there. He let us sit there for like 10 minutes in silence. Man, that's and like that, a heavy that, question. And that's like an eternity to think. Or maybe I think it was less than 10 minutes, but still. And one by one, the players individually had to go up and say what it would be in front of everyone. And when it was my turn, I went up and I said, I think that if I, if God pretty much said, I'm going to take you in my arms today and I'll let, I'll leave you with one thing, or at least I will like grant you a wish or just something. I said, um, my mother has been through so much. She's the strongest woman I know. She works her ass off for our family. And here she finally gets her happiness, finally meets a man who's actually helping her and supporting her and there for her. Their chemistry's unreal. Everything's going well for her. And once again, every time, and to this day, it seems like every time she something good happens, it's like one step forward, two steps back. And and I plan on changing that at some point. That's like one of my like bucket list goals. But I pretty much said, take me back to when my mother was slow dancing with my stepfather at her wedding. <laughs> That's all I want to see. Because that was the last time that... Um, that was the last time that my mom was like truly happy. Like, honestly, that to even to this day, that was like the last time. Um, I think uh, that's the case. Uh, and I just sat there, kind of like silent and jaded, kind of how I am now. But I, that's what I said. Um, and I went home that that same day. I went home, and their wedding song was "All of Me" by John Legend. I was just listening. I, the, I swear to God, this happened. The first song I clicked when I just went to put on shuffle, as soon as I heard that piano playing, I fucking lost it. I was gutted. All my emotions that I held up for not grieving, uh, whether it was putting on a face for people, just just not being comfortable in my own skin, not just besides this, the family thing, me personally, my anxiety and my insecurities, um, little oreo there's everything going around in my life at the time in high school that wasn't going well for me and as soon as i heard that song i was just in my kitchen ball i'm just alone in my house um and yeah that was that was a that was a, a tough tough one that day but i think um you you just said it so so well i think that we don't we don't tell people enough how we truly feel. And I'm one of those people. Because we kind of just assume that tomorrow is promised and we'll see them again and everything's just going to be peachy keen and you just never know. And you know what? I think part of that too is, <clears throat> I mean, you know, us being two men. I mean, society as a whole, I mean, you know, toxic masculinity and all is something that exists. And it is something that, I mean... A lot of men are taught. I mean, you look at movies, you look at you know TV shows and stuff. Like the manly men are the men who they never. They're always the silent rock, and yes. they always, even if they don't express it, they're always tough and there and just stoic. And like the thing is, like I, I used to want to be that. Like I used to be obsessed with this idea of of people. You know, I'd leave and people would just be like, man, that Nick Donnellan guy, like, he's just such a silent rock. Like, he's just always there right when you need him. Like, he's always 
coming up clutch. Like when we when he's needed most, he's always there. And I feel like that's just not a realistic standard and not a healthy standard. You I mean, keep talking. I'm just gonna take the camera. No, you're good. I mean, I feel like the thing. It's so easy to like. I feel like, especially again, with how a lot of men are taught to be, it's very easy to not express your feelings and to be kind of bottled up. Like I am very much someone who bottles up my stress. I bottle up my emotions. I'm I work on it and I try my best, but there's always that part of me that worries that you know, if I'm like if I'm here telling you about all this stuff that's stressing me out right now, am I going to be a burden? Is it going to be too much? Am I going to and I, I some of this might also be again with the adoption, the abandonment issue type stuff. Do I inherently lose my value when, you know, if people like me around because I'm a loud, energetic, kind of funny guy, right? If I stop being that for the people who like me, do I lose all of my value with the dynamic of the friend friend group? You know, like I, that's something I'm always very insecure about is can I be vulnerable? Can I be open like this? And if I do, do I run the risk of, you know, kind of being ostracized, of being like, oh, well, you know, why is Nick saying all this stuff? Isn't he usually like, he usually tells jokes and we laugh and then he goes home. And so I think part of why I try to be expressive is to kind of counter that and to just be like, you know, I don't, like, at this point in my life, I don't care, like, what people are going to say about me when I'm not around. It doesn't matter. Like, it, it really doesn't matter. Sticks and stones. Yeah, like, if listen, here's how I see it. If you're someone who's saying shit behind my back, right, you're not someone who's invested in me. You're not someone who really genuinely cares about me, and you're not someone I, like, you may be fun to be around, but you're not someone I want in my life. Simple as that. I mean, listen, you can be mad at me. Like, I'm not saying, like, I'm I'm untouchable. You should never, like, you can be mad at me. You can need space from me. You can, you know, you can whatever, like, you can be unhappy with me and my actions and my, the way I express myself. You can say whatever you want about because that's all subjective. But when you start treating me in a way that's not fair, if you're not, if you, if you don't call me on my shit and you just decide I don't want him around, I say good riddance. Because, like, you know, if you're going to, like, I'd rather have, it, like, two close friends than ten fake exactly. ones. Exactly. I'd rather have yeah. two real friends, and I'd rather have people in my life in general who are willing to hold me accountable for things. I mean, like, you know, we had, Mario and I just ate dinner. I made him some chicken parm. I mean, he told me straight up, like, the spaghetti's a little undercooked. You know, I'm like st- I still ate it though. It was good. No, I mean no, and I appreciate that. But like yeah. I appre- I also appreciate you. Like I don't interpret you telling me that the spaghetti's undercooked. I feel like it's very easy to hear something like that, and I could just be seething all day about like, you know, fucking Mario. Like I I take all the time to make him this this food, and always gonna he the, one of the first things he says to me is that the pasta's undercooked. Like what the hell? I, and but you know, at the on the other hand, the way I see it is. Mario is someone who wants to help me improve. Like, he, he wants, no matter how small it is, like he said, there's always room for, you said it, like, there's always room for improvement. And I never feel like I'm ever going to stop improving, and I never want to stop improving myself. And I mean, one of my big things is for when I'm a teacher, every day, 
I want to come away feeling like I've done a better job than I did the day before. It doesn't matter if that's, it doesn't matter how big or how small my improvement is. You know, maybe it's just I remember to bring up an extra pencil. But every day that I don't, I don't go to bed feeling like I've made myself better and improved my own life in some way is a wasted day. And that can be like, I let myself relax today. I let myself unwind for real. Like I properly let myself do this. It doesn't have to be like this, this, I, I, you know, one thing I will say, I've never loved the hustler mindset. You know, like the, if you're working a nine to five and going home and watching Netflix, you're wasting your time, like whatever. I don't, I don't subscribe to that. I just don't like, that's just not how I am because I think the thing is, I'm not saying it doesn't work or it can't work. I I just don't think you can make broad statements like that and expect it to, like, click. You know, like, I don't... It's just not... Some things just aren't for everyone, and that's just how it is. And so, you know, like, if you... If that works for you, like, and it works out for you, great. Like, I'm not... I don't want to take away from how much work some people put in to improve their situations. But I do think at some point you need... it's, It's healthy to say, like... You know, sometimes I just, I'm happy with what I've got for the most part. I'm going to focus on little things. You know, like I think like my dad is one of the hardest working men I know. I mean, he very easily could have, like he has the skills and the know-how and the respect around his office to have progressed into a higher and higher, like an executive type of role. Like he just, he just has that work ethic. He has that drive. I mean, he has all of the tools to do it but he's got the intangibles yeah he's got he's got every he's got all the know-how like but he was he hey he's just not really cut out for that work and he i because i did ask him about it because i was curious i was like dad like i kind of feel like with what i've heard from you and every like literally everyone i've never heard anyone besides like you know my sisters and i because you know he's our dad i've but i've never heard i haven't really heard people like, say negative things about him. Like, he is one of, like, he's one of the most respected people I know. He's, he is the person, one of the people I look up to the most. Like, if I'm, if I ever end up being half of the man he is, I'm set. Like, I'm good. Yeah. Like, he's just someone who, he sets his mind to doing something, he gets it done, and he'll do whatever he has to. But, yeah, I I just want to say this real quick. Um, Back to what you were saying about toxic masculinity um i think that it takes i think a real man is a man that isn't afraid to show his emotions yeah that's what i think i think any real human never mind what gender you you're the best you can in order to get or at least excel to the next step to being the best possible human you can be from what it's it appears to be is being honest and open about your feelings and your emotions and and not being afraid to address them if they aren't uh positive if you if like let's say you you know you need help and instead of bottling it up oh man I can't talk about it talk about it it's okay even and, and I was just talking about this with um Azari who I just had on even if let's say you got pulled over you got a ticket and somebody's and you're stressing about it and you feel like a piece of shit because it's the first time you've got pulled over and you got a ticket and you just you're freaking out and then 
somebody else, um, a, a loved one, a beloved one of theirs passed away. Now, obviously, they're two different things, and one's more extreme than the other, it sounds like, but still, you can't diminish how one feels and their predicament over someone else. You can't, you can't just say, oh, like, it doesn't matter. No, exactly. you know what? If it's bothering you, then it certainly does. And, you know, I really actually appreciate that you said that. That's a very good example. Like, my, my thing is, like, you know, life is very stressful. And as much as I, you know, I, like, I'm, I've had, like, by all means, like, you, I've lived a very fortunate, comfortable life. Like, I've had a very good life. And I probably will for the rest of my life. And that's just... You know, that's how the cards fell. But, you know, that doesn't mean that I can't struggle. Like, you can't, like, just because I have a, com- like, because I'm fortunate enough to have two pa- two caring parents or, you know, I've to have gone to a good high school or whatever or to have been, you know, f- mostly secure with food and stuff growing up, that doesn't, like, diminish the fact that I'm struggling with something. And I need help. But at the same time, there's a, I think the thing is, like, as many big sweeping statements as I make, as much as I say I don't like those kinds of statements, everything's a balance. Like, as much as you have to say, yes, my feelings and my pain is very valid, at the same time, you have to have a little perspective. I mean, I have been really struggling recently with the fact that I am not going to graduate on time. And when I say on time, I mean... Perfect four years. I mean, like, a year late, because I graduated 2019, and just with... I I, I transferred to Central, which is where I met Mario. Yep. But I... Shout out Blue Devils. Go Blue Devils. CC. As you. But, you know, I... um, I transferred, and I changed my major, and I essentially... I thought at the time I'd lost a year, so I was expecting to graduate spring of 24. And just kind of the way my classes are shaking out, I am probably going to graduate the fall of 24. So a semester, an additional semester later than I'd originally thought. Right. And for me, that was hard because it's like the difference between graduating on time and a semester late is way, way more than the difference between graduating a year late and graduating a year and a half late. You know, like my thought process was, I'm already, like, I've already wrapped my head around the idea that I'm going to watch all of my friends from high school, for the most part, graduate and and move on with their lives, and I'm still going to be here, right? But then to have to kind of face the reality that not only am I watching all of my friends from high school graduate, but all of the friends I've made that are a year younger than me are also probably going to graduate before me, and they're going to move on with their lives before I've moved on. And I was, like, really, like, for the last three, four weeks, I've been in a real funk about that. Because it's scary well, to face that reality. Let me, I'll, now let me give you the brighter side of that, that perspective. You want to be talking to the best possible person. <laughs> um, yeah, when it comes to this, my perspective is this. So, I'm sure I've told you, like, I've said this many, many times. I took a gap year after high school. So, I already knew what it was like to forego that first year immediately going into college after high school. It's settle down, pause the brakes, evaluate what do I want to do with my life. And I think a lot more students need to do that. Don't throw yourself, especially if you're really smart 
and I'm not talking uh, like smart enough where you're still going to end up going to the same college as a guy like me. <laughs> I'm talking smart enough to go to like a very expensive school, smart. Don't, um, if you feel rushed and you know that you have the, like you have the grades and everything, don't just throw yourself into debt. Because mo- most cases than not, your parents aren't making enough to, to send you to live and stay at a high and prestige type of school. So evaluate your, it's okay to evaluate your options, whether it's for first semester, a year, however long it takes. Azaria, who I had on yesterday, love the guy and he's doing great for himself. He, he's awesome. I keep forgetting that he's, he's much older than me, a lot older than me. And I keep thinking he's like 23, 24. He's 27. He doesn't seem like it. Cause he, he looks very good for his age, <laughs> but, uh, he, was like a super super senior essential. He because he switched his major a couple of times. He didn't know what he wanted to do. He took his time, man. He took his time, and I think that that is what a lot of people should do. It's a marathon, because you don't want to be the one that goes to college in the perfect four years and then guess what? Dude, two years later, dude, I picked the wrong freaking field. Dude, what am I doing? It feels like I have no purpose. I'm working the same ass job. Dude, everyone that's graduating this spring, like, I can't wait to get out of here. I'm like, yeah, okay. Good luck with that. Good. Like, I did it. I, I know what it's like. Uh, not necessarily the career aspect, but just to make money and work five days a week, the whole nine to five. Yeah, I tried it. And guess what? If you're not in the right situation for you, it is not fun. And it feels like a, a never-ending cycle, and there's no purpose to it. Because you should work all those hours just to make money that ends up going into bills and uh, taxes and stuff. And right now, especially in the economy we're in, I'm not political, but uh, yeah, very expensive to uh, try and, and find, buy a house. Or being alive is very expensive being right al- now. It is expensive to being be alive. Being recorded in Thank October you. of 2022, for those of you who are watching this later on. Yes. Uh, right now is a very expensive time to be alive. It is. And... And I, like I said, I worked and, and guess what? You know what sucked? Because I, what I did, I did a lot of lifting and, and moving and stuff. Be tired when I got home from work. And that already kills two, three hours because I'm laying down and stuff. Oh, guess what? Time for bed. Now you got to wake up in the morning and do it again. And you only have two days off. Those days feel like they fly by. And, uh, that, and I saw this incredible meme and it sucked. Uh, but like in a, in a, in a good and bad way at the same time, because it made sense. Uh, it said, uh, I work like 50 plus hours a week to finally earn vacation time. And while I'm on vacation, I'm still thinking about work. Cheers yeah. to the American dream. Right. I mean, that's, that's sometimes, and it sucks. Cause that's what our parents went through for the most part. I think our generation could possibly change how we perceive work and time and make, make, make it our ally and not our enemy. I, I believe that that's on us. We're going to be the generation to figure that out. How? I don't know. But in this case, right now, in this very room, I had a dream that I wanted to start something, and here we are now. It's not obviously anywhere where it can be. It's not like like we talked about improving, but I started. I found something. Try and find something that you like to do, even even if it doesn't uh, necessarily like make you money. But at least try, take a risk, take a chance. Because you, as far as we know, we only get one life. As far as we know, so don't stress. Because I'm telling you right now, while you're in debt and you have great college stories to tell, uh, and then you're like, oh yeah, I also have this good job or whatever. I know your ass is lying. 
there's got to be a little part of you that feels stressed out, that feels overwhelmed. It's okay to relax, R-E-L-A-X, like Aaron Rodgers said after week one when they got killed by the Saints last season and they ended up making getting to the... Well, they they got the bye, but they obviously they choked. But still, they made the playoffs. Yeah, he said he says week one, just relax. I think that everyone has their own pace and has to go with their own flow. You know what I'm saying? Yeah, I mean it's important to run your own race, and I think I got caught up in you're not racing other people's paces. You know, you're not supposed you. This isn't a derby. You're not competing against anybody else except for you. And I was getting caught up in this whole idea of like. You know, I all these people I know and care about are graduating and carrying on, and I just kind of lost perspective of like the greater scheme of things. I mean, I went home yesterday to talk to my mom just about everything because it's like it's stressful, and sometimes you just need an adult's perspective. And before I even talk to her about anything, I mean, the first thing she tells me is like, "Nick, your cousin lost, like your cousin and her husband lost their baby, like it." Like it's not gonna make make it through the practice. It's not gonna make it. And I mean, just hearing that, as crazy as it as it sounds, just instantly, like I felt like there was a weight off my shoulder. And I think it really just gave me the sense of like, I, like again, like there's a balance somewhere where like, yes, my feelings and my stress is valid, but at the same time, like things could be so much worse, and I could be going through so much more. They can and be as much as. I do have a problem, and I'm as valid as it is, I I still have I still need to look and and to really take perspective and just understand like this isn't the end of the world. Like I'll get through this, just like I've gotten through everything else. Mm-hmm. Like things, and it's it's so crazy to me. Like you know, when something like that's happening, how strong people can be. I mean, it's not easy for anyone. It's not easy for I mean, I can only imagine what my cousin and my aunt are going through, but like, you know, losing your child, losing your, what would have been your first grandchild, but like, even my mother, like, it was hard. I mean, it's emotionally, it's difficult when someone you care about is that excited and have it go in that direction is just, it's awful. And it really just, it amazes me, like. I think I I look up to my mother and my father in very different ways. I think my dad is kind of that more traditional, silent rock. I mean, he's just a quiet dude. I mean, I'm very different from him. I do think I take after my mother a lot in the sense that I, like, when I sit down with my parents and we have a conversation about something, my dad is pulling up numbers, he's pulling up statistics, he's, like, challenging my thought process and my logic, and my mother just says, I have a gut feeling I have a gut feeling. Mother like, knows best. And it's crazy. Like, and I, I it's funny because I keep telling them every time I go home, I swear it's like, I'm saying like, mom, that time I told you you were stupid and you didn't know what the hell you were talking about. You were right. Like I've, I've been admitting to myself that my parents have been right a lot lately, but you know, listen, like listening to my mother talk to my cousin on the phone while she's going through probably one of the greatest tragedies of her life watching her talk to my aunt who has just lost her first grant like it amazes me her ability to to say listen what you're going through sucks and but i promise you you will get through it like it's just amazing to me like 
she did it in a way that like I I don't like if it was me, like you couldn't have said it any better. I don't feel like I could have said it any better. Like I, like she's doing this beautiful, she's finding this beautiful balance of addressing that obviously it's a tragedy what's happened, but at the same time, like promising that it will you'll come out of it stronger. Like that's a especially with when you're talking to like a mother who's lost her child. Like that's a very very fine line to balance on and she just did it like she did it beautifully i mean i was getting emo i mean obviously it was a very emotional situation but like i was getting emotional listening to my mother and watching how strong my mother was being for her because i mean i'll tell you as soon as she hung up it was it was tear i mean it wasn't easy for her i mean i mean how can you know what i mean like it's just not an easy thing to experience and not an easy thing to have to coach someone through, but just with how strong, like I cannot overstate how much I respect my mother for handling that the way she did. And I cannot overstate, like you said, I couldn't have said any of what she said better myself. And it's just so like, again, I look up to my parents in very different ways. My dad just is a hard worker. He's a great human. He's just an amazing human being. But my mother's instincts are incredible. Like, like she just gets – like, I'm at a point where it's like she has a gut feeling about something. Okay. Called it, like – Mother knows best. And it's, it's just funny because, like, there were so many th- situations I tried to get myself into. Like, even with coming to Central, like, coming back to school full-time, like, after after UConn and stuff, I was really rattled. Uh, we, we I can elaborate on what happened a little bit. I mean, but, like – I was really rattled and I really didn't know about coming back to school full time or even in, even coming back to school period. And my mom just said to me like, Nick, listen, I just got a gut feeling that you'll be just fine. And I didn't believe her at first, but the more and more she said it and the more and more I let myself recover and heal from what had ha- I'd gone through, the more... I, you know, I don't think I went into it saying like, yeah, this is a good thing, but I eventually got to a point where I decided to just go for it and see what happens. If not just to say, I told you so when it all blew up. Yeah. And then next thing I know, I, I love what I'm doing. I love my schoolwork. Like I've made, like, I remember calling my mom after, like after I got out of class the class I had after stats, I called my mom. I was like, mom, mom, you're not going to believe this. Someone stood up in my stats class and, and she, he asked for my snap. He, I got his Snapchat and we're like in a group chat and we're, we're a study group now. Like, is this true? I, it is like, I like, wow. I was so like, I was so scared about making friends. Like I remember there's this, there's this guy in my, my class. I, I only took one class in the spring. I transferred to central. Uh, there's this guy in my class. He sat to the right a row behind me and it started off like I'd go home and I'd tell my mom like mom like I nodded at a guy today and she was like Nick that's good I th- that's good I think <laughs> <Yeah>. <laughs> and then I nodded at a guy and then I, you know it started you know as uh, I, I think I had to explain this to 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 my my roommate who's a girl the nods the difference between the upwards nod and the downwards nod because it started off with like the polite you know downward nod like 
We're in a class together. I see you around. You see me around. How's it going? With a nice little downward nod. Yeah. I remember the first time he hit me with the upwards nod, with a little eyebrow, with a little eyebrow wiggle. What up, bro? Like the little, like... No. I remember I went home that day, and I was like, Mom, Mom, he nodded up at me. And my yeah. mom's like... Cool. That's awesome. Good. I that's think. Funny as hell. And I had, and that's that, and then I had to explain. Like it was so funny because I'd never thought about the nods before, and I had to like ex- I had to sit there and try to explain the, the difference between the, the downwards nod. nod versus the upwards nod to my mother. To be honest, I'm not sure she gets it. I still don't think I'm not convinced she gets it to this day. Like maybe one day. I think she. I don't know. I think it's just one of those things. Like I think it's just a guy thing. I just wanted to say this. Real quick, because we're, we're getting a little bit away from it, but I wanted to touch on it real quick. What you said was key just a little bit while while, while back. Well, I was talking about your, your cousin. For those who are listening or watching, right, and you're going, you went through something that's just horrible, going through something right now, it's tough times right now, um... Look at it like this. Well, first of all, you're you're looking and listening at two people that went through shit and they made it on the other side. So we are here to say that it does get better. It can and it will. I promise you that. Certainly a lot better than having a lot of people crying at your funeral. It can get better. I promise you it will get better. At some point, something's going to go well for you. And, you have, and, and it will take time. It will take a little bit of work. But you will get there. Because look at it this way. If you feel that shitty, how much shittier can it possibly get? If you feel that down in the dumps or at your possible worst, only way you can go is up. I mean, where is there go from rock bottom but up? Yeah. And I'd like to, I, I'd like to elaborate on that a bit. If you're someone who has kind of thought they were on the other end of it and you kind of find yourself going downhill again, it's going to be okay. Like, it's going to get better. Like life doesn't always go up. Exactly. The, it, it's it, not like... There's little like, divots listen, and... Yeah. I'm, I'm going to be straight up with you. Like, I've had times every, even, like, I consider coming to Central the best decision I've ever made in my life. I... But... I might say the same thing. But, like, at the same time, like, as much as it was a turning point in my life, it's not like I haven't struggled since then. It's not like I Absolutely. haven't faced doubt or an insecurity. It's... You got to just trust the process. I mean... It's not always going to be perfect. You're not. It's not like everything's going to click and suddenly nothing ever goes wrong again. That's just not, not the reality works. of life. I mean, you're going to go through things Trials even as you're going better. Like even as things start to trend upwards, you're going to have dips, like Mario said, and it's you're going to get through it and you're going to be okay. And as I said back in the beginning of the show, just all it takes is a little switch of some uh, sentences or words. Instead of why is this happening to me? What is this trying to teach me? What can I take away from this? I can't do it. No, you can't do it yet. Exactly. Yet. Always add it. Yet. Always find a way to where it's, oh, I just, I'm not going to, I'm not going to do it. I'm not going to do it yet. Always add the yet. Always add a but and or a but, like something to where it seems like, as hard as it sounds, you don't know what's going to happen, but you still leave that chance. Even if it's small, you're just leaving out some sort of hope that it will get done or that, that, that it is possible. 
whatever that is. Um, so, dude, you've been very generous with your time. Thank you so much, by the oh, way. Oh, no, dude, I'm, like, this is just a great conversation. This, I'm just, is, like, this is incredible. Like, I feel like this has, this hasn't, like, I haven't even thought about how long it's been until you said that. Um, I just want to make sure I don't forget the three things. Don't have to say them yet, but... Was there anything else that you personally wanted to get off your chest or cover before we ended up or end up having to close? Um, I'd just like to share a couple of the big, like I, I kind of reference occasionally um, things you hear about or read that really shift your mindset in a really positive way. And I would just like to share a couple of those with you and with the audience. Okay. Uh, just in case maybe it resonates with them. Um, number one. I, I don't know the quote word for word, but it's from Moneyball by Michael Lewis, the book, not the movie. Um, I, the I, I, the, the I, movie takes a lot of liberties. I need to but see it. It's a very good movie, but they take a lot of liberties with like reality. But there's something in the book, and it's something along the lines of, in baseball, managers don't play the strategy that is most likely to win them the game. They play the strategy that is the least likely to lose them the game. And for me, that's something that resonated with me because it's like the difference between sitting back and hoping things just kind of work out for you versus making making it, really taking life by its, by the hands and just going for it and taking control of your own life. I think it's very easy to be a victim of your circumstance and you're just kind of, okay, accepting whatever happens. And at some point, you do have to accept things for what they are, but... At some point, you also need to grab life and just like take control. Like take control, take the wheel. You know, play to win the game. You don't don't just play to not lose. Not lose yes, dude. Honestly, you should just have that as your words of wisdom or advice. Yeah, I mean, that's I like that a lot. Um, another thing, um, I read this story on like Reddit about this guy, and he has because you know a common question you get as a teacher is what grade do you want to teach? Where do you want to teach? Um, I read the story about a guy. He's he's right. It's like relationship advice or r slash relationship advice or something like a thread about like people asking for you know relationship advice. Yep. Um, and he's he's writing about how he has this great life and this great girlfriend who's who's a few years older than him, and he's like twenty probably twenty six or twenty seven at the time he wrote it. And he says, "Well, she wants to get married, but when I I wrote my life plan out when I was nineteen, and I said I wasn't going to get married until I'm thirty, and you know his what his." girlfriend long term like living together like in love like he loves her it's like he wants to marry her just not for another four years you know and it's like you know to me that's crazy like just having your life planned out like that sometimes things just don't go like my my thing is like when people ask me that i say i have no idea like i don't even know where i'm gonna be in two years like in two years i could be seeing like if i'm seeing someone and it's like serious and she says to me nick listen I have a job, a really good job offer that I can't turn down, and it's in Ohio. Oh, shit. There's schools in Ohio, you well, know? Well, uh, my ass would certainly go there. Who they? Yeah. <laughs> I mean, I, you know, <laughs> I'm it's funny because so Ohio is just like some random, like just some random yeah. state. Like I like to, sh- I like to, yeah. I like to shit on the state of Ohio. It's a, I've Damn. never been there. Like, I'm sure it's a fine state. They have good chili. Do they? Well, Cincinnati's known for their chili. Like I tell oh. you, I've never been there, but the that's skyline is that the skyline chili? Yes, yes, it oh. is. that's Cincinnati. Okay, maybe we should go there sometime. I'd be down. That'd be a fun road. That would be a crazy. That'd trip. be a fun trip. Maybe one day. One day, 
when we have I have a little more money. I'm that broke. me too. <laughs> but anyways, cheers to being broke. Um, you know, as much and as someone who, that resonated with me because I'm someone who had my set idea of how life. I mean, I talked about I want to be a father. I want to be this. I want to be that. Like, as long as I'm happy, I'm willing to compromise on any any of that. Like, I don't have. I don't think it's healthy to to have a life plan like that and and adhere to it. I mean, it's good to have a direction to go in, but like you can never predict what's you can't predict what's going to happen tomorrow. Like I don't even know what I'm going to have for lunch tomorrow, let alone like I could I could walk into school on Monday and just bump into someone who who ends up being the love of my life. Like I can't plan for stuff like that. Like I Life is such an, a crazy, unpredictable. unpredictable thing that as much as it's comforting to have a plan like that, there's no point. Like, you know, and I guess, so, you know, takeaway from that story is, like, as cool as it is to have a direction and to think you know what you're doing, you gotta just roll with the punches sometimes. That was, a, that was very well said, my friend. Thank you. Honestly, that's what we're using for your wise words of advice and wisdom because that was awesome. Thank you. You know what? Let's just might as well keep rolling with it. Movie and or show recommendation for the people. Oh, man, this is hard because you, you asked me that this morning to like give me a heads up. I'm not a big like TV watcher. I do watch movies occasionally, but I'm not like a huge like consumer. Yeah, I will say that everyone's seen. I've been watching Bullet Train. Like I've, I've, it's on a website, which. I've I've just stumbled across. I have no idea about the merits of this website, but um, it's in theaters. You could also see it in theaters. It is in theaters too. Go go support the artists. I'm a hypocrite, but go support go support yeah, the artist. Yeah. But Bullet Train, very good. Like, listen, it's not like I don't think it's some cinematic masterpiece, but it's, it's like, entertaining. But my God, it is a fun. It is a fun two hours. It is a a blast of two hours. Wow, I I definitely need to see it. Yeah, it's it's total like, dude. If you want to go, like, honestly, if you want to go see it, like, I don't know when I'm free. God, I don't even Maybe know next when. Weekend, bro, I'm I don't want to see Black Adam tomorrow. Bro, I have no like, my weekends are booked up like weeks, and like I've had yeah. this more. I've had this night marked off for a while, but yeah. But you know, that being said, if you want to go, if there's a weekend I'm free and you're free and you want to go see it, I am yeah, so man. down to watch it. Uh, f- I think I've seen it like three times in theaters. I'll wow. s- I'll see it a fourth, and I'm gonna enjoy every second of it. That's awesome. So now I know I definitely need to see it. And so, so does the viewers and listeners. Go watch Bullet Train. Good movie. Last, um, last thing. Music. Music album. Album. Or, oh. or an artist. Well, albums are tough for me, too. Al- albums, al- ah, artists and albums are tough for me, too, because I don't do usually do artists. I've tough. been doing more artists and albums lately. Um, I've been big on Dark Side of the Moon by Pink Floyd. Very good, like, very nice. You know, you, maybe you've ingested something that may or may not help you relax a little bit, make you feel like you're melting into your bed, maybe make food taste a lot better. Uh, but, you know, just playing that with, like, a good speak, like, darks, that hits different. But I will say, I'm going to shout out, like, something a little newer, some Greta Van Fleet. I'm a big fan. Like, okay. they start off very, like, their first couple albums are very Led Zeppelin-y. Their latest album kind of takes a little more of, like, a... I don't want to say they they sound a lot like Pink Floyd, but they kind of are in the way that like you really like feel the mu- the music of Pink Floyd in your bones, kind of like Runaway with by Kanye, like that kind of like you know how like you if you close your eyes and lean back, 
you just like feel it in your bones. Yep. That's how like Greta Van Fleet is not quite on that level as like a runaway or anything off that album really, but Battle at Garden's Gate is like a hard rock version of that. Noted. So would totally record like if you're into like it's not for everyone, it's a kind of a unique sound, but definitely recommend. Uh, last, I will say, I want to go off one more p- little piece of advice, a little thing that my um, my my senior or my junior year English teacher taught me. He was a great guy. I mean, he cut me a lot of slack when a lot of people wouldn't have when I needed it. So shout out to Mr. Carter if you're listening, if you somehow end up listening to this. At a, shout out, Mr. Carter. From, you know, junior year English class. I don't know if, like, I don't yeah. know how you'd stump, but if you do happen to listen to this, Mr. Carter... I really appreciate everything you did for me. Um, my last piece of advice, be well, be you, go forward with love. That was very well said, my friend. I apologize for my dogs barking to the people, but thank God it didn't happen until the end. Yeah, I'm impressed. Like, they barked, but they haven't gotten crazy till yeah. now. It's funny how that works. But, hey, appreciate you coming on. Nah, dude, I appreciate you having me. We're definitely going to do this, this again. This is long overdue. I'm long overdue. So, I'm like, I've been so thrilled to be doing this. I'm very glad that you came on. I'm definitely... excited to finally get to listen to the other podcast. Yes. Now that like, yes. I don't need to worry about expectations. Oh my Channel God. Channel like, is oh. a free, it's a, it's a free roam around. Oh, but, I can finally uh, support you properly. I finally get to close this one out. Episode 34, Giannis edition. And it certainly lived up to the hype. Everyone has a story. And it's still being written. Keep pushing. Keep going. My heart is with you all. And with that said, ciao for now, folks.